This show is about sexual awareness and contains language which is meant for above 18s. Hello everyone, you are listening to The Orgasm Coach with your host Michael Charming. What about you who are listening to this? Are you ready friends? Are you ready to turn on your life and amplify your orgasm? Because it's time. It's time to increase your happiness. It's time to have more pleasure and experience those juicy, nourishing and expansive orgasms. It's time to deepen your relationship, your connection and get your desires fulfilled. If you are ready to let go of shame and take the next step, if you are ready to take your relationship and sex to the next level, if you are ready to have more connection, intimacy and abundance of love, then it's time to amplify it with the orgasm coach. Our today's guest is Jessica, who is an activist trying to get clitoral anatomy disseminated. She studied biomedical engineering and pre-med at Washington University. Her goal is to disseminate clitoral anatomy, combat misinformation about labia minora, and get training standards established for labia plasticities so that they are safer. In today's show, we will get to learn more about clitoris, vulva, and the work she has been doing. So, without further ado, let's welcome Jessica to the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Orgasm Coach by Michael Charming. And today, I have a very fantastic guest. Her name is Jessica. And she is an activist who is trying to get the clitoris anatomy disseminated. So we'll hear a lot more. I got to meet her through Instagram. I saw one of her posts and really liked the idea of her sharing some really depth information about clitoris that we don't really get to see in general articles. So over to you, Jessica. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming. Would you please uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, and uh, what have you done? What are you doing at the moment? Well, so I had a bad experience with a labiaplasty. A clitoral hood reduction was performed without my consent, and they cut. And I lost clitoral sensation afterwards, mm. and I kept being told it was all in my head. So I did my own research and figured out that, sorry, it took seven years for a dorsal nerve dorsal nerve injuries to get diagnosed. And what I've done more recently is I did an anatomic study with my father, who's a plastic surgeon. So that was super awkward because I dissected clitorises with my dad and his plastic surgery residence. And we published that in a plastic surgery journal. And the goal is to help disseminate the anatomy and plastic surgery literature. I've also been trying to get it included in OBGYN literature until 2019, the innervation of the clitoris was not included in OBGYN literature. Now it is in three textbooks and it's been published in a major OBGYN journal as well. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just trying to make it so that more doctors who treat vulvas and do vulvar surgeries know the anatomy. That's what I'm focused on so that other women 
are not hurt. Uh, absolutely. And I mean, this is a this is a very important aspect, especially relating to women in terms of the pleasure itself. And secondly, uh, in terms of the uh, information and knowledge, which is not there. You know, there's a lot of information around men's and men, men's anatomy, but female anatomy is hardly seen, so hardly appreciated, hardly hardly recognized. Um, I I teach a sexual practice which is focused only on clitoris. So I am very much aware in terms of how much pleasure it actually causes, it actually gives to women, you know. So seeing something like that, I understand and I really appreciate this whole amazing work that you've been doing. Could you tell us a little bit about the OB journal? You know, the journal, which it, what, what is that journal that you mentioned? Oh, I was just saying, so what I did in 2018 is I emailed a whole bunch of OBGYNs in leadership positions and also, I just emailed everyone I thought might be interested in doing a study of the clitoris. And I emailed a bunch of textbook authors and I emailed residency program directors and also leadership at the American Board of OBGYN and the American College of OBGYNs. Basically, anyone who can help, who could disseminate the anatomy and make sure OBGYNs. And what, what, what was your response like? Did you get a very favorable response? No. well yes and no because at the end of the day the three textbooks well actually two textbooks have been updated and there's a third that will be including my illustrations and so these are positive outcomes um also the anatomy has now been published in this OBGYN journal it's called it's the American Journal of OBGYN it's also called the Gray Journal I'm pretty sure it's the most commonly read OBGYN journal I could be wrong, but it's, I'm pretty sure it's like the main one. Um, so that's really good. And it's the outcome that I wanted. So I can't really say that I got a bad response necessarily, but Uh it took a lot of pushing. The woman who published that study originally said she originally did a study of the branches of the pudendal nerves and she stopped dissecting prior to the clitoris. And so when I first reached out to her, she sent me this previous study that she had done. And, you know, I had to tell her, no, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the anatomy of the clitoris itself. Yeah. And I pointed out that she had stopped dissecting prior to the clitoris. And she said that the nerves in the clitoris were very thin and difficult to dissect even with magnification loops, unlike nerves in the penis. Uh This is not true. I have not dissected penises, but according to one gender reassignment surgeon who I quoted on my Instagram, the nerves in the clitoris are actually larger than the nerves in the penis. According to studies where they measured the diameter of the nerves in the penis relative to the results of my study, it seems like they're probably around the same size. They were certainly easy for me to dissect. So the first time I got to dissect them, I emailed her afterwards and I said, just so you know, this is very easy. And I was probably kind of snarky. You know, I've had a really tough time because, you know, my interest in this started with a trauma and my motivation for doing everything that I do is to protect other women from what happened to me. And so it's very emotional. And so when I experienced resistance, I had a lot of trouble getting angry. And so, you know, I've had a little bit of trouble maybe using the right tone or the right approach sometimes. Uh You know, when I first reached out to the executive director of the American Board of OBJN, he responded that he didn't know where I'd gotten the idea that OBJNs didn't learn the anatomy. And of course, they learned the anatomy and that it was in many OBJN textbooks and atlases. It was not in any OBJN textbooks and atlases, or it was shown very poorly. 
mm. in Williams Gynecology. It was not described and it was only shown as of 2016. There was nothing like what there is now. Um, now they, it used to be, so in Williams Gynecology, they used to describe the clitoris in one tiny paragraph. Now they have four paragraphs. And this is huge progress. Wow. Yes, yes, absolutely. So one of the things where um, I think we have interacted a little bit is that from what I had read previously was that the, the, the nerve endings in clitoris is 8,000 nerves as compared to 4,000 in penises. But of course, you mentioned that this was this is not correct. Um, could you please tell a little bit, um, give your view, share your information? I think I'm the kind of person, whenever I read something, I want to check where it comes from. Yes. And I you know, so if somebody says, hey, the clitoris has 8,000 nerve endings, I want to make sure there's a source that supports that. And so that, and also I think, you know, I included that when I was working on this paper that I was trying to write back in 2011, 2012, when I was first trying to figure out what to do about this, I just started writing uh-huh. and I got around to wanting to say that there were 8,000 nerve endings in the clitoris to talk about how important the clitoris is. And, but I couldn't find a sort, a legitimate source to cite. Right. 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 And if you follow the citations back to the original source, it's actually this book called The Clitoris by Thomas Lowry. It was published in 1976. I found it at the UCSF Medical Library uh-huh. and I found the page that this claim comes from. And it's from a study of bovine genitals. <laughs> right. Cows have more nerve endings in their clitorises than bulls have in their penises. So what you're saying is that there actually never been a study conducted on human females per se to see how many nerve endings are actually there. There have been a couple of studies that have looked at nerve density. Like I think the study where they finally went over the dorsal nerves in OB-GYN literature, the one uh-huh. I just mentioned, I think uh-huh. they looked at nerve density. And there was another one in the Journal of Sexual Medicine. Looking at nerve density in like slices is not the same as what they did with the cows, which is they counted the number of nerve fibers in the dorsal nerves in order to get a total number. So that's never been done. Nobody's come up with a total number for how many are in the clitoris. So um, in the studies where they look at nerve density, I think, you know, they just take like a slice of skin or tissue and they look at how many um, nerve innings are in that piece right, okay. per okay. per unit area. Okay, so similar to the similar to density of population, but just more... Uh... So if you were going to try and calculate the total number, you'd have to do some math uh-huh. um, and it might be a little complicated because like, oh. you know, because the density is not consistent. It might be different in different areas of the surface and for different like at the surface versus deeper. You know, it just gets really complicated sure. versus yeah. just taking the nerve and counting the number of nerve fibers. Yeah. yeah. Um, so guys, uh, if you're listening to this, whenever you listen to this, do note that the information out there, which is available in most of the articles uh, about females having 8,000 nerves as compared to men's penis for a thousand is not really uh, correct information. The number of nerves females have is definitely larger or more, but the counting is, isn't right. I got this information from my teachers, but when, when my teachers told me this, I got so overwhelmed just by the information itself that I never really cared to do more research on it. Because for me, this was a new piece of information. I was like, wow, you know? So I'm really glad to to hear um, the real source. Thank you so much for sharing this. This is very valuable. And I'm quite surprised how incorrect information is actually shared in almost all kinds of publications rather than uh, somebody really doing the real work. I think incorrect information gets shared all over the place. They talk about fake news as if it's something that only happens online and only happens because of lay people. But 
there's actually misinformation in medical literature uh-huh. as well. Uh-huh. Um, I haven't seen, there's one textbook on the clitoris, which is really amazing. And they do say the clitoris is the 8,000 nerve ending, but I haven't seen that claim made elsewhere in medical literature. I was told that by a plastic surgeon <laughs> who was trying to explain nerve damage to me. And I was like, no, that comes from a study of cows. Right. <laughs> Right. Um, you, earlier you mentioned about the labioplasticity. How is it in terms of feeling of sensations now? Like, you know, because if, oh, and I have worked with few clients. I'm a body worker, so I also work with a lot of people in helping release emotional trauma or abuse or any energy blockages stored in the body, including genitals. Most of my work is around genitals. So I have worked with quite a few clients where they have had labioplasticity or some other form of um like medicine, uh, the uh, surgeries, and as a result, the area has become, got, got numb. They can't feel the sensations anymore, which has affected their confidence and, of course, their sexual life. So what would you say? What has been your experience and how has, have you been able to cope it so far? Well, first of all, it's really good to hear that there are other women like me and I'm not alone. I definitely would like if more women who've had similar experiences would reach out to me mm-hmm. because, you know, I've been trying to get at least women anonymously interviewed by journalists for a story. As far as what I can feel, um, my labia minora were completely amputated and um, I have no sensation distal to basically the scars in my clitoral hood. About, um, I have sensation at the top of my clitoral hood, mm-hmm. like the base of the clitoral body, and that's what I use to orgasm, but it's mm-hmm. not... I don't at all have a normal amount of sensation. I have no sensation in the glands at all. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have anything to do with emotions. Yes, yes. Um, and have you tried something? Um, have you tried any kind of, um, it's a slightly off topic. Um, have you tried any, some, some kind of therapies to, to, to go through? The only reason I'm asking is because this is, this is kind of my work uh, where I actually work in bringing those sensations back because as you said um you you mentioned it's not really emotions but i do feel that it's um there is some sort of emotion involved the reason is because when any part of the body that's being cut it has a lot of a traumatic experience especially when it's as sensitive as our genitals so and of course there's a physical cut as well so just just i'm just slightly curious here so from talking to my dad who is a plastic surgeon like nerve innings can regenerate and when there's damage that's distal that can regenerate but when you have an injury to a major nerve Uh it can't really what happened to me was probably fixable within the first couple years or so Uh Um, this is something that actually um, one surgeon told me to look more into because maybe there is hope for me there's just no record of um, sensory nerves being repaired this late. Um, it's normally something that needs to be done quickly. Okay. or at le- I think it's normally just done quickly. Mm-hmm. I don't, as far as the work you do, I, I don't want to like cast out on it, but as far as how nerves work, they would need to be repaired <laughs> to right. work again. Right, right. We will be right back. Hello, dear listeners. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. For more shows, please visit michaelcharming.com. Do connect with us on Instagram. It's mc.theorgasmcoach. If you are interested in learning how to have more orgasms, then do check out my book, Amplify Your Orgasm. Visit the book page on my website for more insights. This book is for both women and men and offer practical tips which can be applied in day-to-day life, whether you're alone or with your partner. 
If you are interested in learning about desires, want to let go of shame, have an emotional release or want to take your relationship to the next level, then do check out the courses on the website michaelcharming.com. If you have any questions or for confidential conversation, please do reach out to us. We are here to help. And just on a side note, if you are interested in politics, if you have been someone who has experienced disconnection and conflicts from friends, families or even strangers due to conversation relating to politics, then do check out my book. It is a self-help book that will allow you to understand the reasons why each of us behave differently whenever politics is mentioned and how we can avoid conflicts from happening. Visit the book page on my website for more information. If you ever expect to sit down with your friends or have a holiday dinner again with your family without considering a bloodshed, then you must read this book. Now, back to the show. Thank you for staying with us. So, what are your uh, goals about with your activism on social media? What are you intending to do? I guess it's more about spreading the knowledge and information. Yeah. Well, my goal is for the anatomy to be taught to doctors who operate mm-hmm. on vulvas and to treat female sexual dysfunction. So mm-hmm. that includes OBGYNs, plastic surgeons, and urologists. I was mainly focused on OBGYN because I was harmed by an OBGYN. You know, as of 2018, the innervation of the clitoris was not an OBGYN literature, like I said. You know, after my surgery, I, so with my surgery, I wasn't just harmed by my original surgeon. I was harmed by the OBGYNs I saw afterward. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, what happened to me um, might have been reparable, but you know, I was told that couldn't have happened and um, that I just needed to relax and that I just needed to fall in love. And this is the kind of thing that I want to prevent. And right. I talked to other women who have had similar results and have been told things like don't believe everything you read on the internet and you know that can happen and it's probably just psychological and this is the kind of thing that needs to stop if penises get injured they get repaired the other day someone asked me if dorsal nerve repairs ever get done i said yes they do for the penis (laughs) right 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 wow well there's a lot of uh i'm I'm I mean, it's, it's slightly, I feel a little bit sad uh, knowing that, you know, female anatomy, the research on female anatomy, first of all, has been discarded for centuries. And then the mis- there was a lot of misinformation being spread around, you know, like especially in terms of G-spot, clitoris were not really considered any part of anatomy. Then we had on top of like female genital mutilation is also, which existed a lot in so many different parts of the world. And now over the past recent years is when we have actually really started looking at this a whole anatomy from a very much more openness. And I wish had this been continued for decades before, a lot of, we wouldn't have to suffer. Yes, a lot of people wouldn't have to go through all the, the displeasure and trauma and abuse and being able to enjoy the sexuality. Because for me, I personally feel the more females are able to enjoy, the more men can benefit from it. That's, that's my view. Yeah, so I guess the reason I use social media is for one, because I want to empower patients with accurate information about their genitals. This isn't really applicable to like everyday sexual interactions, but it is important knowledge for any woman who is having any kind of procedure done on her vulva, and that could be a biopsy or any kind of female genital cosmetic surgery. It's also relevant if women have suffered any kind of injury for any reason, maybe with childbirth or maybe from some kind of straddle accident, you know, for them to have that knowledge, it could help them ask the right questions and get better care. This information is provided for men in patient education materials. And so I think, you know, it should be provided for women as well. And because it isn't, I put it on my Instagram and I hope people share it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I hope that this helps normalize the anatomy and, 
you know, people will catch on. I know this one anatomy app, visible body got updated. So it's better. The improvements to OBGYN textbooks has been great. What I want to see is more OBGYN textbooks, including it. The biggest urogynecology textbook still doesn't cover clitoral anatomy at all. Uh-huh. I bless the innervation. I would like to see that changed. Those, uh, those editors have not responded to me. I don't know how to get through to them. You know, when I'm not getting a response, yeah. I feel my main channel is social media. So back in 2000, so you asked me what kind of response I got when I appealed to all these people. And back in 2018, I sent out, I think, hundreds of emails. I mean, when I go back, it's just crazy, all the people I emailed. And I didn't get many responses. And I got some negative responses like that. Like one OBGYN textbook author said he didn't think it needed to be included in that textbook. They actually been more words on male sexual response and female sexual response. There was just all this frustrating stuff happening. Like I said, the executive director of the American Board of OBGYN initially kind of acted like, you know, I was misinformed when I was informed and he was clearly ignorant of the anatomy. I had all these frustrating interactions and I felt like I wasn't getting anywhere. Mm. And then one day I received an email from a urologist, Dr. Claire Yang, who has studied the clitoris extensively and has published multiple studies of the clitoris in one study of the labia minora. And she responded that OBGYN journals were not interested in female genital anatomy, that she didn't know how to get the anatomy disseminated. And that was when I think I just kind of snapped and I was like, okay, I'm putting this on the internet for the public to see. And I thought that that would help bring some awareness and maybe some accountability. And I still don't know if that helped, but a few months later, the American Board of OBGYN sent me an email saying that they were looking into changes to their board exams and that they were working with textbook authors. Who knows what they actually did, but I certainly changed the response that I got from them from being very dismissive to telling me that they were doing something. Yeah, that's uh, that's how, how did that landed? Um, seeing that change from, uh, you know, of course, it must have been very, very upsetting yeah. when we don't get to hear the response. But seeing that little change and the little being open now, how do you feel about that? I mean, I feel good about the changes that have been made and the responses that I've gotten. Uh-huh. Um, I feel frustrated, you know, with some things like I had wanted the executive director of the American Board of OBGYN to meet with me and he refused, you know, yeah. and yeah. he still refused again recently. He communicated with my dad who went with me. I guess uh-huh. I still have some anger. It, I guess it's been a frustrating process, been accused of harassment and stuff. <laughs> like right. one problem was I previously did not take will consider it as a yes, I took it as a, you need to convince me more. So I kept sending emails. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's like, so, so yeah, there is a, this pattern that can happen. I don't know whether this was, was it's like uh, when we, when we believe in something, we believe that this is really the right thing. Then we end up sending a lot more kind of information. I don't know. Yeah. I can get maybe a little too passionate. It's just that I feel so strongly about it. Because for me, like I've gone through so much with what happened to me and I just feel so strongly that it needs to stop. Yeah, 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 absolutely. When I started my journey in orgasm back in 2013, kind of telling everyone, hey, look, this is so good. The orgasm that we knew until today, is not really the right thing. 
it's it's a it's been in, incorrect it's been not really taught to us but this is how an orgasm works for female and male so i was basically telling these stories to my friends irrespective of kind of considering whether they really want to know this whether they're really excited about it but because i was passionate i was kind of sharing that up and only years later i realized that i need to be really mindful of people around and where they are at and kind of like, okay, dial my tone, not necessarily my passion, but just considering that. So that was a big learning curve for me. Yeah, I guess it's been a big learning curve for me too. I guess I just tend to be really pushy. Like I'm, like my personality is just sort of pushy and very assertive uh-huh. and not necessarily always the most empathetic. And so mm-hmm. I've been trying to work on that. Mm-hmm. There's a book that someone recommended called non- Nonviolent Communication. I've been meaning to read it. Oh, yes. NVCs. Yes. Um, yeah. You mentioned about labia minora. Could you tell us a little bit like how, what's the importance of this? How does it add to the pleasure or um, yes? Well, I just think, well, so the labia minora have the same types of nerve endings as the clitoris. And, you know, they do play a role in sexual response. They engorge with arousal. One thing that doesn't really get talked about is how, at least in my opinion, and also according to Masters and Johnson, they help facilitate simulation of the clitoris with intercourse. When I was 17 and I stumbled upon labia fasci advertisements online, I believed that the labia minora played no role in sexual function. And the reason I believed that is because that's what surgeons were publishing online and I thought that I could trust them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I want women to know that that's not true, that the labia minora do play a role. I think sometimes there is variation in how sensitive they are because, you know, some women report they don't really feel like they play much role and mm-hmm. other women report that they're very sensitive. In one study, women with larger labia minora actually reported that they were more sensitive than but they had more sensitive labia minora than women who had smaller labia minora. So that's kind of interesting. Right. And, and, did you, and in terms of the sensation itself, my understanding was that clitoris has far more sensation than labia, labia minora. That's why females feel a lot more kind of uh, sensation or pleasure or yeah. orgasms. Um, yeah, that- definitely clitoris plays a bigger role in female sexual response. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, the labia minora are still important. And I think that, I just, general cosmetic surgery should be avoided. You know, the beauty standards that dictate that labia minora should be smaller are made up BS. What surgeons say as far as like having labia minora be tucked in being the ideal, that's not validated by any research on aesthetic preferences. You know, other beauty standards have some kind of like evolutionary basis. This doesn't. Labia minora are actually reflective of estrogen levels, but mm-hmm. labioplasty surgeons will claim that they're they that labial hypertrophy may be caused by excess androgens. This is not true. <laughs> it was made up. It, it comes from an uninformed hypothesis made in a case study. There's absolutely no evidence for it. There's only evidence against it. Um, the other thing that surgeons say is, well, at least they imply it. They imply that the labia minora get larger with age. There's no evidence of that. The only correlation that has ever been found with age is an inverse correlation because the labia minora atrophy with menopause. So there's just, there are all these lies that go into promoting these surgeries. And I think that that's something that people should be aware of. Right. So what's the message you would like to tell uh, women in regards to uh, maybe surgeries or labia minora? That they shouldn't have them. They shouldn't have them. <laughs> no, I mean, there are plenty of men who like big labia minora. 
There, you know, one thing that people always say is that, that porn stars only have tiny labia minora. That is not true. There are plenty of popular porn stars who have bigger labia minora. There's nothing wrong with them. Mm-hmm. They may not, they're especially large. They may not be as common, but that doesn't mean they're ugly, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, right, so, okay, so, the, uh, so my message to those women would be that if you are suffering from anxiety or maybe not feeling confident about genitals just because maybe one of your partner has said maybe your partner has said something then i think it's more of a question of having a discussion an open discussion with them and maybe that that actually involves the work of your partner to work on themselves because as you said labia comes in all shapes and all forms uh, you know so it's not about uh, what's being shown in the media or in the porn uh, it's about accepting what our body actually is how it's how it appears to be right yeah, but I actually, I disagree with people who blame porn because there are, I mean, porn is, has a pretty representative sample in my opinion, but people always argue with me about that. Had I seen porn as a teenager, I never would have had surgery. Right. right. That's just me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, I saw your article regarding dam- damage which is being done by calling vulvas as vaginas. Would you I share? strongly about this. Like, could you share more? Uh-huh. It's a linguistic deletion of all the anatomy that gives women pleasure, you know, or not all of it, but basically the clitoris is the primary somatosensory organ of female sexual response. And when you call vulvas vaginas, you imply that the most important thing about female genitals is the fact that there's a hole to be penetrated and for Uh babies to come out of, you know, you basically give more importance to that than the fact that women are receptive to pleasure. Yeah, uh, you know the purpose. I mean, the vulva is pretty much just there for pleasure, and we're not naming it, and so there's meaning to that. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Absolutely, you're so right. It's more about getting away from the idea that you know um, vaginas are only for penetration. There's so much pleasure that actually exists in the whole part, and men needs to be able to explore more with their partner rather than aiming for a certain goal derived from their own sense of overwhelming sensation that they feel as a result of, you know, their own arousal. Yeah, but also I think, you know, when in this article that I wrote, I pointed out that it's sort of messed up to teach little girls that they have vaginas when typically they're not even that aware of their vaginas. What they're aware of are their vulvas. And when you don't Mm -hmm. name the vulva, (laughs) I think it contributes to confusion and ignorance and ultimately insecurities because... You know, you learn that basically your genitals are internal and that you ha- that a whole is what defines them. And when you conceptualize female genitals that way, everything that may stick out or, you know, be external becomes taboo because it's not named. But it's like sort of a lack of acceptance, mm-hmm. I think. So what are, what are two or three tips that you would like to give to women or men in terms of how they can change their perspective in terms of moving away from vaginas and actually seeing the whole anatomy? What would you say? A couple of tips, a couple of thoughts? Maybe vaginas aren't even hardly visible externally. I don't see what's hard to move away from. Like the vulva is everything external. So. Right. Right. So basically it's paying attention to what you see first rather than going straight in. Right. Yeah, I think I say vulva more than I say vagina. Cause like I'm usually focused on my vulva. Like that, what, that's what seems most important for me. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, is it there? Especially like from day to day, like if, you know, I don't know. <laughs> but I guess I say that because I'm always online talking about vulvas, so I'm like not normal. We will be right back. Hello, dear listeners. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. For more shows, please visit michaelcharming.com. Do you connect with us on Instagram? It's mc.theorgasmcoach. If you are interested in learning how to have more orgasms, then do check out my book, Amplify Your Orgasm. Visit the book page on my website for more insights. This book is for both women and men and offer practical tips which can be applied in day-to-day life, whether you're alone or with your partner. If you are interested in learning about desires, want to let go of shame, have an emotional release or want to take your relationship to the next level, then do check out the courses on the website michaelcharming.com. If you have any questions or for confidential conversation, please do reach out to us. We are here to help. And just on a side note, if you are interested in politics, if you have been someone who has experienced disconnection and conflicts from friends, families or even strangers due to conversation relating to politics, then do check out my book. It is a self-help book that will allow you to understand the reasons why each of us behave differently whenever politics is mentioned and how we can avoid conflicts from happening. Visit the book page on my website for more information. If you ever expect to sit down with your friends or have a holiday dinner again with your family without considering a bloodshed, then you must read this book. Now, back to the show. Thank you for staying with us. Oh, I think it's good. It's, yeah, we, we need to have this kind of, you know, people who are actually talking about different aspects. Because uh, that's when the ed- education comes around. Otherwise, we're all living in the same kind of conditioned knowledge, which is not correct. And we just keep on operating that way, right? So, yeah. So I, I can understand, like, I, I'm, I've been, I'm an orgasm coach. So part for me has been really, really difficult. But I know I stand for what I believe in. And I can imagine you would also have similar difficulties being doing what you're doing away from the norm, right? But one thing, like... One thing that I kind of wanted to talk about is um, basically the reason I'm on social media is because social media is such an effective way to disseminate information. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I came across when I was contacting all these doctors in 2018 is this attitude that medicine changes very slowly and that we should expect it to change slowly and that we can't expect information to be disseminated among doctors for years. You know, I talked to this one vulvar dermatologists who thought it would take years to get OBGYNs to learn the anatomy. Uh-huh. Now it has been two years and I've made just a little bit of progress. But what I always think is that if OBGYNs were willing to start talking about it and posting, then the anatomy would get disseminated very, very quickly. Right. Right. So that's one reason I'm on social media, but sure, it, hasn't, sure. I have, it hasn't really had that effect yet. But so far, I have had lay people share the anatomy of the clitoris. And I have this story that's called Clit Shares. I have a couple stories called Clit Shares. Uh And you can see how people have shared it all over Instagram. And I think that that's huge because all these people have shared more detailed anatomy than was in OBGYN literature until last year. And so there's all these lay women who know the anatomy better and it's gotten this knowledge has been shared all over the place very quickly. And so I wish that the same pattern would happen more in the medical community online as well, because a lot of doctors are also online. And there have been a couple doctors who have shared it. You know, Dr. Jennifer Berman shared the illustrations for my study, and that was really awesome because she has a lot of followers. 
what's what's your uh, Instagram uh, handle? Jessica underscore and underscore pin. So, yeah, please do follow her, Jessica underscore and underscore pin. Do share the information. Um, Jessica has been trying to do really an amazing work and we need to get this information. Our social media is a really great, power, powerful tool. So, so yeah, absolutely. What's What gives you strength? What's your, what gives you the inner strength or focus uh, that keeps you going in spite of all the hurdles that comes along the way that have happened so far? I've never thought about that. <laughs> If you were to take a guess, what would you say? What's uh, What drives you? What gives you the courage to continue doing? Well, I just, for me, I guess it's, you know, I think that, well, they've done research on resilience and it really helps when people take action to make things better for others. So this applies, for example, to rape survivors. They deal with their trauma better if they can go out and like help advocate somehow to like spread awareness or prevent rape or Okay, I don't want to say anything that could be offensive or that bothers people, but there has been research that's shown that if people can help stop something from happening to others, it helps them deal with it and it helps them find meaning. And I think that's been the whole point of this. And honestly, like seeing things change and seeing things get better Mm -hmm. has really helped me a lot feel better about what happened to me. And so I think that's what it's all about because when I saw nothing change for so many years and when I saw nobody, nobody standing up about it, I felt really depressed because it felt sort of like what happened to me didn't even matter. And like I was this disposable person and it felt like, you know, medical professionals were just deciding that women like me were just trash to like harm and throw away like we didn't matter. When I am able to change medicine, I feel like I matter. I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> no, no, absolutely, absolutely. It's a, uh, it's definitely it's the the fact that you're not being listened to what you have to say it does gives a kind of like uh, being dismissed. You know, it, it kind of hurts our ego, especially with all the experiences that you have had experienced. And these are real experiences. And at least what I think should happen is at least there should be a level of openness to say, okay, we are here to listen and then take on that because that's also kind of a, a study that, you know, that needs to be done, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure I was following you, but what I was trying to say is I want what happened to me to matter, right? Yes. Because it's not okay that some, that my doctor performed a surgery without my consent. It's not okay that he completely amputated my labia minora when I never even needed surgery to begin with. And I was just an 18 year old kid who didn't know better. Like none of this should have happened. It's not okay that he did this clitoral hood reduction and clearly didn't know the anatomy and clearly wasn't careful and damaged the nerves of my clitoris. None of this is okay. None of this should happen. All of this is 100% preventable with better education of OBGYNs and with training standards for labiaplasty. The way that 16 years later, this could just as easily happen to somebody else really bothers me. And so when I feel like I'm just moving the needle a little bit towards protecting other women, it makes me feel, it makes me feel better about what happened to me because I know that I'm making a difference and helping. How can um, anyone, how can someone support you? I guess just by falling and by um, sharing the anatomy. The other thing that I appreciate is when people give me advice. Recently, I sent out, well, my father and I both sent out letters to OBGYN residency program directors and a couple of my followers gave their advice as far as how to write a more tactful letter, right? Because when we first wrote it, we wrote like 
OBGYN should this and should that. And, <laughs> and my dad thought it was great. My dad was like, whatever, who would be offended by this? And, and I put it on Instagram and I got feedback and it was really helpful because then we were able to bring that hopefully. Show, show. But yeah, so I guess I was just saying like following advice, you know, I don't, I don't know, like, especially doctors, if they share the anatomy, it makes a really big difference, I sure. think. So, so uh, yeah, uh, following following what she's doing, sharing the knowledge if it resonates with you, and also remaining curious and open rather than just accepting what is being told. I think these are some of the things where we can actually help and do more to bring the change that we want to see. Good. And what would you say to women in terms of pleasure, in terms of having their experiencing their orgasms or pleasure? What would you what would be few things that you like to share? Um, how can they do something at their end, or you know, because women go through a lot of body shame, anxiety, and a lot of different things. So what would be your few things from your side? I guess one thing that I said on another podcast is if I can figure out how to orgasm, then I think that other women can too, regardless. <laughs> I mean, maybe not everyone, but you know, I'm obviously dealing with like faulty equipment over here and I'm still like, you know, I feel like, like for me, I just, I tried all different vibrators and I stuck with it. And, you know, sometimes you just have to have, in my opinion, you just have to have no shame. You just have to know you deserve orgasms and it doesn't matter what issue you have. If you need a vibrator, that's okay. You deserve an orgasm just as much as anybody else. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. that was, you know, realizing that for me, it was kind of a breakthrough because I used to feel like my problem was a burden on my partner. I am worth it. And if a guy isn't like into me pleasuring myself, then he's not the one for me because, you know, it, that kind of shows that he's selfish in my opinion you know it's sort of a filter in a way because I make sure that I'm with partners who care about my pleasure even if it takes them kind of taking a step back and making things all about me for the time that it takes me to orgasm sure absolutely Um, and so I just want women to know that they deserve that and they don't need to have any shame about whatever it takes for them to orgasm and if it takes extra time or if it takes toys that is 100% okay. Absolutely. You're so right. A lot of times when I do coaching uh, with men and women, uh, especially men, I tell them that, you know, you've got to be able to create a space where her body is inviting. Only then as a man, we should be going, proceeding further. And no matter what it takes, even if it takes 15 minutes, an hour, hour and a half, whatever times it takes, it doesn't happen in that session. doesn't matter, you know, but that's a lot of work that we need because men would need to work on their own sexual energy as well. Because what happens is then uh, whenever there's a sexual context happening with the partner, then we start feeling arousal. The energy starts running into our body and it takes over the control. That's one of the reasons why during any time when they're having physical connection, anytime we men are having physical connection with our partner, we tend to lose the level of consciousness, we tend to le- lose that control and we go end up doing in the faster mode in the, you know, like we, we tend to forget our partner. We tend to leave her behind, even though we started uh, nicely. And I think that's a lot of work needed on the men's side. I think I'm really assertive. That would be another thing I would encourage among women, like just be assertive. <laughs> sometimes this, re- well, sometimes I'm a little bit bossy, but it's not a problem. <laughs> 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 right absolutely so it's okay to it's definitely important to ask for what you want yeah and, i think and to, a lot of women feel like they can't like they feel like they're just supposed to 
go along with it. They might feel like they're, they're needing to like perform a certain way that they need to act like they're into it when they're not. For me, it's like, okay, either, either it's working for me or this stops. And so it's like, they need to be, you know, I, I give feedback and a lot of guys are actually really into it because I think it's sexy to just, you know, go after what you want sexually and not be ashamed and just be really kind of hedonistic about it. Yes, yes. When a woman obliges herself for one one time or second time, then what happens is actually she's actually curbing her desire. And at the same time, she's also, yeah, just not just not honoring what she wants, just not giving that. She's resisting the small part of her, right? And at some point that would make her feel resentful. At some point that would make her not wanting to connect with her partner. So it's important to recognize what you want and express it no matter what it takes. And having an important, honest conversation with your partner, saying how you feel, in which way would you like it? Not from a place of uh, blaming, but more from a place of, you know, kind of giving a feedback because it's, it's uh, you know, it's sex, sex, sexuality is very it's very pleasurable, but at the same time, it can be very complicated, uh, especially when psychological, emotional, mental aspects are involved. So having that kind of feedback check-in allows both partners to, to, to know where the other person is so that we can do something more better. At the end of the day, we both, both the partners who are in relation, you know, in the sexual context, at the end of the day, we all want to have more pleasure, more enjoyment, right? Yeah. Nice. Um, anything else you'd like to say before? Uh, what we also do here is that we have five rapid round questions, so which I'm going to ask you. But before that, <laughs> sorry, I didn't say that before. I just realized now I forgot to say that earlier. Um, but yeah, is there anything else you'd like to say before we proceed? No. No? Yeah. Okay. So um, I, are actually, you- I do want to say one more thing. Uh-huh. Hopefully this isn't too off topic for your podcast. But one thing I want women to know is that their sexual issues are health issues and that they are entitled to talk to their doctors if they have any problem. Um, you know, one reason doctors may not know much is because patients don't ask that much. And so they're not really asked to step up to the plate and educate themselves. Um, I know when I was younger, my mom said, my sexual function wasn't my OBGYN's business. It is your OBGYN's business. And if you have a problem with your sexual function, you're entitled to ask your doctor. I want women to know that because sure, I didn't sure. always know yeah, absolutely. It's very, very important. It's a very great message. Completely agree. Um, I'm in full support. Um, right. So questions. Um, you can pass if you like to. If you don't want to feel like you know, if it's too personal. But of course, the fun is when we are willing to go and participate. But I'll leave it up to you. So, uh, what's your one biggest turn on in men? What's one uh, thing about men that turns, turns you on? Honestly, I think it's height. Height. <laughs> I mean, that's. <laughs> I know that's super lame. I- intelligence. <laughs> I'll say intelligence. <laughs> Is intelligence or the height? <laughs> or the height with the intelligence? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what's one know. what's one biggest turn off in men? Turn off? Yeah. Selfishness. Selfishness? <laughs> what's uh, one thing that gives you the biggest uh, pleasure or makes you feel the most orgasmic? My vibrator. <laughs> Um, what's one thing you would like to tell your dad or say to your dad? My dad? Yeah. That I love him? Okay. (laughs) He knows. He knows? 
That's such a weird question to ask, like right after you asked me sexual questions. Well, it's, oh, sorry. I didn't mean it from that perspective. It was just uh, that, you know, there are some things we want to say, but we haven't said it or, you know, um, especially the kind of work he's doing and what you have experienced. So is that anything? Yeah, uh, I guess, yeah, I'm grateful to my dad. I should probably thank him more than I do Mm -hmm. because he helped me. And uh, what's one message or one thing you'd like to say to to people out there? Anybody who will be listening to this? I don't know. I think I've said everything. (laughs) You have, but if there's anything still left. Okay. If your sex was to be a fruit, what would it be? A food? Yeah. Fruit. A fruit? Oh, a fruit. My sex was to be a fruit. Yeah. I don't know. Mangoes are my favorite fruit, so I'll just... <laughs> <laughs> Okay, thank you so much. These were just a random question that just came to my mind. Uh, okay. Yeah, so, yeah. Thank you so much for being on the show. Um, really appreciated it. Um, what you have shared is really very useful information. We need to get this knowledge out there. And, yeah, so how can people contact you? On Instagram, I guess. Or- only Instagram or do you have a website or other, other place, other things? I don't. Have, everyone's been telling me to make a website. I'm just, I'm just kind of lazy. I've never made a website before. I guess, I mean, I, I guess they can email me. I don't uh-huh. know. Okay. Instagram is the easiest. Okay, so Instagram is the easiest. Um, Jessica yeah. underscore and underscore pin. That's the Instagram. Do follow her, please. Do share her message if it resonates with you. I am really deeply honored to to have known you and, uh, you know, been following your journey for the past few months. And, and yeah, I'm willing to support as much as possible. Thank you so much okay. for, for doing what you are doing. It, was really, it really feels good to know that, you know, there's somebody out there who is, who is in a similar mission um, like mine. So, yeah. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hello, dear listeners. I hope you enjoyed the show. For more shows, please visit michaelcharming.com. If you like the show, I would be so grateful if you can leave some stars and recommend it to your friends or to someone whom you think the show will benefit. Let us know what you think, which topic would you like to hear in future, or give us your feedback by dropping us an email at coach at michaelcharming.com. Do connect with us on Instagram. It's mc.theorgasmcoach. And just a reminder, if you are interested in learning how to have more orgasms, then do check out my book, Amplify Your Orgasm. If you are interested in politics and want to have political conversations with friends, families or strangers without conflicts, then do check out my book on politics. Visit the book page on my website for more information. Do check out the courses on the website, michaelcharming.com. Most importantly, if you have any questions or for confidential conversation, please do reach out to us. We are here to help. Let's work together in embracing our sexuality rather than shying away, dismissing or disconnecting from it. That's all from me for now. I'm your host, Michael Charming, and you are listening to The Orgasm Coach. See you again soon in the next show with another expert on another interesting topic. Until then, take care with lots of love. And remember, together we can and we are making more difference. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.